The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. I can tell you from experience, the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. Don't think, feel. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger, or you will miss all that heavenly glory. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Hey brothers, welcome back to the Liberation Mentor Podcast. This is episode three. Christopher Ryan Tripp is the guest. Very, very cool, laid back, positive guy with an amazing vibe. I'm sure you're going to love the interview with him. Before we get into it, I want to remind you guys that I am offering my coaching services now. So basically what I do is I help men live the lives of their dreams and just get the most out of all aspects of their human experience, including with regards to relationships, with regards to their careers, with regards to their health and their well-being. I really help them take things to the next level. If you want to find out more about that, head on over to liberationmentor.com and you can watch a video I've prepared there or just reach out and click the contact button and send me a message. Let's dive straight into Christopher Ryan Tripp. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to Liberation Mentor Podcast. This is episode three and I'm here with my new friend, Christopher Ryan Tripp. Christopher is someone I've had uh, in my circle. I guess we've been in each other's circles in a or kind of indirect way. I mean, I don't even know where I know you from. I've, I've kind of lost track. It's We have a mutual friend or something like that? Probably do with, with Chris, uh, Christopher Q. Oh, yeah, of course. But yeah, from the London Real days, I mean, I, I'd reached out to you. I mean, it's a habit of mine. If I see someone out there that I listen to, even if it's in the public eye, I'll look them up and, uh, and say hello. Sure. Yeah, dude. And I think there's something to be said for that because uh, I do the same. You know, if I, if I see someone who's got something that I want to know more about, or there's some kind of spark there, I'll reach out and contact them. And it's amazing how often I'll get back to you. You know, it's, it's yeah. pretty interesting. I found that fascinating. And it's also for me, it's, it's a little acid test I use as well to see if the, if the person's real or not. Because, you know, a lot of people claim to be about wanting to help people and wanting to put good energy out there and everything. But then these dudes won't even respond to an email. And that's when you start thinking, uh, okay, maybe this dude isn't what he says he is, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. I don't know if you saw my message like that over the years on Facebook. How can I help you today? Yeah, I remember that. Okay. Yeah, there's there's a reason behind that. It all ties in. It's a big part of one of those talking points that I mentioned uh, that I've sent over. Sure. Sure. I mean, can you expand upon that a little bit? The, the uh, how can I help you today? What happened is I would say the most difficult time of my life. I had, I mean, there's a backstory, you know, before that, but I was living in Costa Rica for five years and it was a part of that was the, cause I thought I wanted all of those things like material things. And, and I, and I did get those, but I just wasn't happy. And I could kind of see the pattern, you know, this, my friend over here gets a new toy other friend gets another toy and uh, and I could just see the long term of that. And so I decided to move to Costa Rica to get back to the basics really in nature. You know, I didn't buy long pants for five years, socks for five years, uh, lived on the mountain um, with my dog and went, you know, surfing with friends and just kept it really basic. And, um, and I used that time to really disconnect from the outside world, which is almost impossible, you know, unless you go to the extreme and moving away as I did. But after taking about a year and a half, not in complete solitude, but just time to myself, I had, I ran into a girl. I've always done a little like modeling, you know, my, when I was younger, but this was more, I don't know, it was like white boy in Latin America, uh, in Costa Rica, like just something I would tell my kids when, when I was older and a girl, and this is something I've never spoke about. Uh, a lot of people don't know. I've actually always wanted to. But um, my friends know, of course. But a girl had reached out to me and she she came across like as business because I have a, a digital media agency for about 13 years in the USA. And she had approached me as if she had a business. And that kind of opened up the uh, communication between us. But a, a lot of it wasn't true or as true as she said. And I found out later from her friends that she kind of like did her research on me. And uh, a lot of people in coast, you know, countries with not a lot of opportunity, and I've heard this with other men, will, you know, look for maybe citizenship or, or opportunity outside of 
third world countries. And so I was told this later by her, you know, close friends and, and even some from her as we got to know each other. But she reached out to me for business that she needed um, help with her website. And so um, I started uh, some dialogue with her and, um, and she kind of told me all the things that I wanted to hear based on what she knew about me. And so long story short, uh, when we did meet, we conceived our daughter on the first night that we, that we met. Got done. And, um, I, I really didn't know her, you know, that's, that's the reality of it. But immediately once I heard of the news, I moved her in with me. She's from, she was from the capital city in Costa Rica, San Jose, and I was at the beach. She always wanted to live at the beach. So I moved her in with me right away. And I was the provider. I mean, um, I didn't know what would happen, but one thing I did know is I had um, a child on the way. And so mm-hmm. it, all of a sudden it wasn't about me anymore. I mean, I did have a business, but at that time I was really not trying to hustle really hard as I had, you know, before I was really just trying to get to know myself, but I kicked it up a gear and, um, and yeah, I was just really, I mean, it was stressful because I didn't, I didn't know her, but as I got to know her in like a reverse order, I realized this is not my woman. Mm-hmm. You know, but what do I do? What do I do if um she has our you know child inside of her? I'm not gonna break up with her. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not I'm not gonna break up with her and like cause stress and potentially lose the child. And so I, I took many walks and I mean on my own and thought about this and it was just I really didn't know what to do. I didn't know anyone else in that situation, and so I decided I'll just hope for the best, you know, and support. And hopefully after her name is Mila, after she's born, that um, we could have the talk and that we're going to do what's best for Mila. It's not about us. It's about, you know, what's best for her. And we have to be happy as a mother and father, as individuals, you know, and in turn, better parents. We can't, you know, be forced into something because she wanted me to marry her. Um, her mom was getting remarried and they at first they wanted to do like a double marriage. God but I did feel some pressure there. And, um, but there's some laws in Costa Rica that if, if we were married or if my daughter had my last name, I couldn't leave the country. And like my business was in the USA. And so, um, you can't leave the country for, unless you put 13 months of, um, I guess alimony up 13 with an extra month around uh, Christmas. Okay. And so I just had to be strategic about it at, at the same time. Um, because I knew this wasn't my woman and we only had sex twice, uh, ever. And, uh, God damn. yeah, but it, it was, I mean, if you think about it, it was, it, it's so wrenching when you, you're, you're living a lie in a sense and everyone out around thinks, I mean, my family, some of my family knew, but everyone thinks, you know, that it's all good, but I knew the whole time. Sure. And, um, you know, about five or six months, yeah, six months after she was born, um, you just, I couldn't run away from it anymore. Like not having sex. And yeah, I mean, you just can't get around it at a certain point. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, um, but she did say things throughout, like I'll find another father uh, because she wanted the traditional setup or nothing. That was just that her, I think her parents, yeah, Mm -hmm. her parents did divorce when she was younger. And so, I mean, is it fair to say Chris, that she, I mean, she basically found you, stalked you, and then was trying to trap you into what she wanted for her life. She wanted a provider and a home and a husband. And that's basically what she was trying to do. I mean, if I read between the lines. Yeah. She told me she didn't imagine herself with a Costa Rican guy with, you know, the gringo. Um, Her aunt married um, a guy from the States, awesome guy, but she had, she had tried this with guys before me. Mm -hmm. And later I ended up talking to these guys and a lot of pressure on like, marriage like right out the gate and um just just pressuring pressuring so i woke up one morning and they were gone and, and uh and yeah and i just i freaked out and um you know, i didn't i don't know where they were because you were attached you were, you were like you were bonded with your daughter at this point you were like yeah i mean it is my daughter and, and it was about six months after she was born and i was bonded but it wasn't as it should have been, or probably as close as it could be, because I had this thing looming over me every single day, mm-hmm. you know, whether, mm-hmm. cause I didn't know if she would take her away. I just didn't know. I just didn't know what was going to happen. You know, I was in a different country and no one can really relate. It's not something I would call one of my buddies about it and talk about. Mm-hmm. I fell out of the social circle as well. You know, during the pregnancy, a lot of my good friends who were, you know, expats had moved um, back and I was just, uh, and I didn't want to like unload on, on everyone, uh, my, my, 
my problems. Um, I just really didn't have anyone to talk to about it. So how can I help you today? It was so like, I, I had thoughts. I mean, just to come completely out, I mean, I had thoughts of a suicide and, um, I just got a dark place. And I did, and actually started, um, I started drinking during the pregnancy, like drinking mm-hmm. in a sense, like I'd have like two or three Heineken and like at night. And I had an office in town and it was just, but for those few hours, that was like an escape. And that was really all I had, sure. you know, not just living this life. And, uh, and yeah. And so it, that became consistent. I was never like, you know, falling around or, but it was just like time by myself to have catch a little buzz uh-huh. mm-hmm. more or less. And, um, and that was like every night that was my like escape. And I had an office in town and, um, and I would just, yeah, I was just, you know, like those couple hours every night. And so when I couldn't see her, when she left, she went over, she didn't know many people in town. She knew people I introduced her to. And she went to, um, she called her a girl up that was a friend of a guy that did some work for me. He was also from uh, America and they were having a cookout in another American's um, place. A good guy, you know, but she went over there and she had said, you know, like she left, I abandoned them. It just wasn't true. And she had that night, mm-hmm. stayed the night at that guy's house. And now she has a child with that guy. And, oh, God damn. Yeah, yeah. So, but I just wanted to admit, you know, like I, about the part about the drinking and all that, you know, I was, I was just, I like lost myself. Like I said, I wasn't stumbling around or anything like that. I was always like a healthy and shaped dude. And, but it was just, yeah, I, I you know, I didn't know what to do during that you know, situation. So, well, I mean, I, I don't think you have to justify the fact that you started drinking. It's, you know, oh, sure. The spiritual teacher, he says that one of the reasons people in the modern world drink is because it, it helps drop them below mind, you know, because the mind is what tortures you. What's going to happen with my daughter? What's going to happen with this woman who's trying to entrap me? And it's constantly torturing me with these thoughts. And then you have a few drinks and you fall beneath that. Whereas what we're trying to do is, as men on the path to excelling and, and superseding our base instincts and, and going beyond the mind is we want to go above the mind using things like meditation or reflection and things like that. And I get why you did it, dude. It, it's in, at, at that point, if I'd been in that set of circumstances, I probably would have started doing hard fucking drugs, dude. Like, so, I mean, I don't think there's anything you have to, yeah, from as far as I can see, dude, I, a lot of guys would have done the same thing. A lot of guys wouldn't have even tried. They wouldn't have even tried to, to be there for, for the mother of their child and their, and their unborn child. And you gave it a shot, dude. And I, I really respect you for that, man. I really respect you for that. That's, that's cool. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I would never run away from a scenario like that. Sure. Um, but, but how I, how can I help you do came, how can I help you today came from after they left and it was just, it was dark and I did have, I would Google, you know, like suicide, like, cause I, I didn't want to like actually go through or like shoot myself or, or, but like, how could I easily do it just to escape that feeling? But I thought about my loved ones and everything as well. And I don't think I actually could do it, but then I, I've always considered myself, you know, mentally strong. And I just put myself in my own movie, you know, like, like, uh, Rocky. And, um, and I said, you know, I'm not going to be good for anyone like myself or my daughter this way. So I started focusing on my business, like, and, and I was going to grow it. And, and I was thinking of my daughter in the sense that I want her like one day to be able to provide and have, you know, as much time as I wanted with her whenever I may see her. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I focused it into the, into the business and, um, and just start, I lived on a mountain. I was just running up the mountain, doing pushups with the computer working, uh, setting up meetings, uh, just keep my mind off of it. And then I posted like, like anything, social media is how you, you use it. And so it's pretty exponential. You have a large audience out there. And I knew the importance of being able to speak with someone. And because I, I knew that I just, when I, when I could speak to my grandma or um, who's, you know, a motherly figure in my life, along with my mom, I mean, it was very therapeutic. But they, I don't know, I felt like they just couldn't relate. But I still knew the importance of just being able to speak to someone. And so. Sure. Figured that if I had a couple thousand people in my network, that there was one person at least out there that was feeling similar. Mm-hmm. So, and I wanted to take the focus off myself. So I just posted, you know, how can I help you today? And I think at first I would put tech advice or, you know, you're feeling down, whatever, you know, how can I help you today? 
And people would start to reach out for various things like, you know, actual tech advice or, or something with marketing or, or maybe they were, I remember one girl taking Adderall or, uh, just different scenarios. And, and it really helped, you know, one guy, he was, um, trying to get back with his, his son and his, his woman, he was on heroin and I had some experience helping my sister with that. And so, um, you know, and she's clean now. And, and so I would just talk, like I talked to him in the right moment and he was able to get clean. I just happened to catch him at the right moment. Sure. And, uh, just, yeah. And I started, I did that every week and then, you know, and then every month and now, you know, I do it probably every other month still to this day. It's been about five years sure. and, um, and yes, there's a lot of cool things. I find um, that fascinating. There's a, uh, I've just finished a book, which was very interesting. And in it, the, the author says that whatever you're lacking in your life, the answer is to give more of that. Yeah. So you're lacking time, give time, give some of your time to someone, or if you're lacking love, find someone and show them love. And it, it sounds to me like that's what you, you did. You figured that out inadvertently that you needed help. So you started giving help. And then that's when the universe kind of reflected back at you. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Well, the thing was, I was aware of that before, because before I had this incident with this woman, I was so happy on a daily basis. Like I would ride my, my bike through the mountains. It was just, it was also a meditation, like three or four hours in beautiful Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. And, um, I felt like I cracked the code being in Costa Rica and like, uh, and I just, I would, I would cry out like, Ooh, but I would, tears would come down as I was just shooting, you know, the sun was setting, shooting down the sure. mountain. And, um, I was just, I was so happy that my cup ran over and I would go back to the States and I see people just kind of trudging along. And I was like, man, I wish that these people could feel at least half the, uh, you know, happiness that I felt like really, mm -hmm. I was very, very, very just fulfilled. Sure. And, um, and I was aware that like, um, where it's at is helping, you know, people that's, you know, a lot of people figure that out. That's where you can really get your shit. Sure. And that's where it's most gratifying when you're actually helping others out. Cause I felt like I had all my bases covered for the most part. So I, I guess, you know, I, I'm totally on board with you in that story you described of riding on the mountain and feeling this, you know, I'm guessing joy is, is one or connection is, is one word, one way to describe it. And, and for me, I live for that. I absolutely live for those moments and I'm trying constantly to create more of those moments. And eventually I want my life to be one long moment of that, of just feeling amazing and joyful. And, you know, you said you went home to the States and you'd see people who are kind of, I guess, trapped in the rat race or doing things they don't enjoy. And I, I guess where I'm going with this is it's kind of, is it being overly simplistic in saying that anyone can achieve what you'd achieve? Because, you know, is it, is it partly luck is it partly the fact that you're a good looking guy and that you charismatic and can open doors and connections in ways that other people can't? And, and the fact that you obviously is a smart dude or, or do you think any person out there, any man listening to this, if his life is really sucky and he wants to make it better, can he get it to that point that you did when you're on the top of the mountain in Costa Rica? I think that if, if you have a goal, I mean, cause it goes back cause I get thrown off like with the way I look, like people, a lot of people, even since I was younger would think like, I was just kind of a prick or, or, but I have like, I'm a, like a hardcore nerd. Like I've been infatuated with a computer and, and that plays into how I was able to do it with, um, with my business on the digital side and able to work remotely and things like that. But I think if you have a goal, it's just persistence. A lot of people don't follow through. Sure. And I just always, I knew I wanted to be, I mean, that goes back to the beginning of the story. Um, you know, cause I, I worked for the government. I was in Iraq for a couple of years mm -hmm. and I was able to come back and, and, you know, start a business. And that's when I had all the material things, but I just realized like, that's not what happiness is. And so I, I wanted to be free. That's the thing. I wanted to be free and to travel. And I just wanted to be able to structure it. And, um, and I read four hour work week, like many people, mm -hmm. and that smacked me in the face. Um, it was by 2007 or eight when I read that. Sure. And that really started to, that's when I said, okay, I'm going to structure this so I can move to, a, you know, some type of paradise. Cause I'm just a beach guy. Mm -hmm. I like it simple. You know, I like, um, like I, I had hair down to here not too long ago. I just mm -hmm. cut it all off. But I mean, like, I just like it simple, you know, I don't. Sure. I get, tell me, Chris, tell me a little bit more about, um, you got, so you, this is before Costa Rica, you got back from Iraq and you started a business in the States. Is that correct? Yeah, when I'm 37, when I was 24, uh, that, 
all these things. It's crazy how things happen. So back in college, I mean, it might be easier just to take it from the top because it's going to really cover everything. So I, I finished high school a little early. It was an option. They had like a credit requirement change. So a lot of people could have graduated early. They just wanted to stay for that senior year. And me, I was just like, I wanted to, if I could go, I could go. And I think I was one of two people that opted to do that. Mm-hmm. And my parents had divorced. I was always told that college would be covered, always made good grades, discipline, you know, if I didn't. And um, when my parents, they split, which is a good thing. I realized that the college, like all that wasn't going to be covered. I had to figure it out on my own. I, so I graduated early. I started working and then I, I took a job. Gosh, when the summer ended with like door to door sales, like selling magazines door to door, I opened up a newspaper and I was like, Oh, I'll travel to different cities. And, and I, so, I mean, I know what that's all about now, but, um, <laughs> but I did do that and I was traveling all across the USA. That really opened me up. Then I actually joined the, um, but I was like, I got to get back in school. You know, I was still in that mindset. I got to get in school, go do something in IT. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my uncle was in the Air Force in Hawaii. And um, and I thought maybe he could help me, like, get through the process of the Air Force in the field I wanted and maybe get to Hawaii, mm-hmm. which, you know, he couldn't have done. But I processed for the Air Force and um, went, did everything. I had a ship date for boot camp. And no joke, it was September 13th, 2011, mm-hmm. two days after 9-11 wow. was my ship date to go um, to uh, boot camp. And so in between then I started working, um, they call it a depper, I believe. Um, cause I had from May until September to, you know, live, I already processed and did the things I needed, but I could still opt out. Like I, there was a certain point where you could still opt out. Mm-hmm. So I started working at, um, kind of a high end restaurant at um place called Broadway at the beach and in, in Myrtle beach, South Carolina. It's like the biggest tourist attraction of the state mm-hmm. put away, uh, you know, a good bit of money for that age, started dating beautiful girl and she's a good woman i could still say that to this day Mm -hmm. and uh, got my first apartment and i opted out you know i didn't go and then um then started college you know was paying for it myself like a tech school then you know did well and um i just was like i don't know if i want to put this much time into this and get a degree because even my teacher i saw him out one day at a happy hour and, and he told me, he, he was he was just really honest with me. He was like, you know, there's not a lot of money in it. And um, I don't know, that that, that kind of woke me up. And so I left, left school. I moved to, um, part of when I was selling the magazines, I was in uh, South Florida and I really liked that area, like the weather. And lo and behold, when I was working at that restaurant, some, you know, a year later, I was talking to one of my old uh, buddies and he, we we're catching up and he's like, uh, I was like, where do you live? He's like, oh, I'm Boca Raton, Florida. And I was like, really? That's the place that I like looking to go. And, um, and he just happened to meet a girl and happened to live there. So I went there on my spring break, um, and met, uh, yeah, met with them, decided I would move in with them when their lease was up. He had a girlfriend. I, I moved there. I saved some money and I just literally went on the beach every day and, um, and I would learn to play guitar and I would just write. And I was just in a, such a positive uh, frame, sure. but I also knew that I wasn't having to work and do all the other shit that mm-hmm. a lot of people would have to do. And that, uh, you know, it would be difficult, you know, more difficult to keep that positive state of mind mm-hmm. uh, once I got back in the mix and uh, was down there for about a year, moved back to South Carolina and started school again. And I think I made, yeah, well, I made Dean's list. I guess it's like when you make A's and B's mm-hmm. and then, I got with some friends that were doing like affiliate mark or mo- no, it was like multi-level. Sure. And the thing was, they were friends I grew up with. And some of these guys are like multimillionaires now, like in their own businesses, mm-hmm. but it was just cool to, to do this with some friends that I grew up with. And we got mentors, that, you know, the byproduct of that, it wasn't the best business model, but we were getting books every single week. These guys were successful, they good family men. And that really, you know, um, was it uh, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, all these books, the classics just shifted the mindset. And so sure. I was back in school at that time and I realized, you know, I can put the same amount of effort in myself or I could put it in these four years of school. And um, I, I was in the middle of class and, um, and I just walked out. I didn't know exactly, you know, what I was going to do, but I was um, taking uh, computer systems 
like overstock from um, this company is called geeks.com mm-hmm. in uh, California computer geeks back then I buy these bare bone systems which were like one model back from the ones in the store mm-hmm. and um, loading them up with um, volume license windows flipping them nice. and um, up some money and uh, it's a that's a common theme that I see in all dudes who've managed to kind of I don't want to use the word escape but I guess that's what it is is at some point they were all, they've all done some hustling of some kind. You know, I've got a friend who's a multimillionaire real estate developer and he was like, he was selling weed for a little while to his high school buddies. And then I've got another buddy who like, he was doing the same. He was selling PlayStation games and like just everyone's got a little hustle because it's, it's the guys who are trying to push the limits and they're trying to figure out how can I, how can I get out of the system? Where are the cracks in the, where are the cracks in the cage that I can kind of like, you know, make a little money or like get a little bit of free time and, I guess that's, that's one of the things, one of the reasons that I, I'm trying to have guys like you on the show is I want to let the listeners know that, as you said earlier, it's all about a shift in your mindset. It's about that, like, when you get to that point that you realize it doesn't have to be the way it is for most people. You know, if, if you really believe and focus and hustle and work and, and have a dream and a vision that guides you, you can, you can make it out, right? Oh, yeah. And those books too, or just speaking to me. Sure. You know, I, I loved it. I love, and you know, rich dad, poor dad, that right there, you know, it lays it out with a contract between the rich and the poor dad. But yeah, just being able, like when you're making your own money, I was a kid, I think I, yeah, I was like 21, 22 at the time. Mm-hmm. And my dad, um, he, I went to live with him and, and he liked it because he had this big house and, and it was just him at the time. And, and he was seeing like, I was making money and I, I it was just, it was cool. And none of my friends were, we're doing that or really thought that way. And I would go out cause that was the drinking age. I remember even being out at some of the popular bars and, you know, I'd catch a buzz and I would just look around the room. Everyone was talking about dumb shit. And I was just looking around the room and I was like, man, there's gotta be more to life. Than sure. that, even at that young age. Sure. And, um, and I just, I was stoked, man, just cause I, just the fact of doing something different. And then I started to mix it up with, um, these guys that I grew up with doing business and getting mentored at the same time mm-hmm. and um, was a good boy for about a year and a half. Like didn't really drink and just read these books. And then um, you can only do that so long. You want to bust out of your skin at that age. So uh, yeah, then I remember it was Memorial day. A lot of people got on the boat on the water where I'm from. And that was when we, me and my friend, my roommate, were just going to go, go all out on the boat. And we, you know, had a bunch of friends. We got some alcohol and, uh, and I just got a, a, a Ford Explorer Sport, which is like a top heavy vehicle. It's known to like to roll, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I just had it a week. And um, when we got off the river, I wasn't driving, of course. And we went to my dad's because he was nearby and we we're, we we're cooking out um, my friends at my dad's. And then some guys were designated. They were sober. They drove me back um, to my place. And, uh, and we were going out that night and I remember I had to pick up some girls and, um, cause only cause they were close by, um, on the way to meet everyone. And I left my phone on my dad and I fell asleep for like probably four hours. But when I woke up, I probably still had some blood, like my blood or alcohol in my blood, but I wasn't, but I felt okay. And I drove to my dad's and, um, and I, w- I remember I got gas. And um, I had my seatbelt on before, but you know, sometimes we're probably all guilty of not putting it on right away. As we get on the road, we're like, sure. oh shit, and we put it on as we go. It started raining. And um, I guess it's the worst when it starts raining because the oil will come up off the road. Mm-hmm. But I hydroplaned with, and I had my seatbelt on yet. I just got on the road. And I remember I, I'm used to a low riding sedan where you could kind of correct it mm-hmm. and it wouldn't go crazy, but I just corrected it a little bit and the car. Um, spun around and flipped three times through um, on the busiest highway, Highway 17 bypass. And um, we went, I went through the opposing lane and the car went into the woods. Like, so I went through my um, lane of traffic, a double lane, through the median, through the opposing lane into the woods. And as the car was flipping, I was ping ponging, not ping ponging, but like pinballing sure. through the uh, vehicle. And I went out the back latch and I landed in the road. And, um, my nose is a little, I think it was broke from that. And my jaw was, I think partially broke. My teeth were like kind of cut off in half right here. And, but I lost out, you know, Jesus. and a couple weeks later I was back on it, but 
I realized like how fortunate I was from that incident. And anyone with like a near, I guess, death experience, you just have this appreciation for, you know, I was always a positive dude anyway, mm-hmm. but, um, that on top of my grandpa was, um, he was like a father figure to me. He was, um, you know, kind of on his way out and we had these talks and he would just say, um, you know, he'd always say like, go to school and do all that. But really when at the end he was like, do what makes you happy. And, um, but those things all together really just changed my mindset along with that mentorship. And, and, um, and I started selling real estate just to have a freedom of my schedule. Mm -hmm. Me and my friend were writing screenplays and, um, we, we were, doing independent films. We we're having castings at our house. Mm-hmm. It, it was just cool. And, and then um, what happened was a good friend of mine, one of those friends you can count on one hand, mm-hmm. as I always say, um, you, you can count on for anything. He was overseas. You, you know, Halliburton, I guess a lot of people consider it an evil company. They got the contract for the whole rebuilding overseas. And so he was an army reserve. And once he finished, he worked his way up through them. And he was at the headquarters of uh, Halliburton mm-hmm. in Baghdad. And um, he came back on vacation and we hung out and um, he knew I had my real estate license. And we looked at some houses. He um, put a couple offers in on some places and he ended up backing out like right before because his financial advisors you know, said not to. Mm-hmm. And I had like kind of banked on that and I was like, shit. And so what he did instead, he goes, Chris, man, I'm sorry. But he goes, they need someone to convert these physically taught courses and make them online courses. And like, so people can test out from their base, whether it's in Afghanistan or Iraq, and then it'll go in their personnel file. Because what was happening is people were flying from Afghanistan and throughout Iraq to come to what they call it, the theater training center in Baghdad, theater meaning like war. Mm-hmm. And that these all were physically taught classes. But if you're traveling in war zone, like as a student to go take a class, it's kind of stupid. I mean, you could get killed. Sure. And, um, and so I just took these courses and made them online courses, about 60 courses. Mm-hmm. And I felt good about that, that I could potentially save lives. But yeah, I was in, you know, inherently I was over there and I was making a, a good bit of money, at least for that age. And I didn't have any debt. So I was putting it away. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when I came back, started the business. That's when I had a business partner. That's when we had a fallout. And that's when everything was in my name in our partnership. And um, I was like, 50,000 in debt. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was reading, like, I was trying to get out of this debt and try to, like, get somewhere, like, in paradise. And um, and around that time, my friend called me and he was near Iran as a project manager. Now he says, Chris, I need some help. And it was just at the right time. And um, and I went out there. But that's my skill set, though. Mm-hmm. It's not like it was luck. Like, I, re- I work hard to self-teach myself these things and, um, and to get back out there. And like, I knocked that debt out really quick. What I, what I think is as well that, uh, that anyone listening to this story should maybe take away is that it's this, you, you sure. Some people would say you got lucky and you had opportunities that maybe they don't have, but I noticed there's a willingness for you to take a chance, right? Like guy will call you up and say, Hey, I've got this thing going on in, in Iraq and you took that chance and you did it. And I'm always reminded of that. Um, I think it was a Jim Carrey film from about 20 years ago called something like Mr. Yes or something where he makes this decision to just say yes. Uh, and I guess, I mean, that isn't necessarily a, a good idea. Like if someone says like, let's go get some beers and then take a drive on the highway, you don't want to say yes to that. But generally I find that if opportunities come up and, and there's like a little bit of fear, a little bit of excitement, it's usually when I say yes, then good things come of it. And it's cool to hear that that's kind of the path you followed as well. You know, you were always willing to just put yourself out there and take a risk. And I appreciate that. Oh yeah, man. Oh yeah. I didn't say how I got there the first time. They need me to make these online courses and manage the website. And they're like, and we had a conference call and they were like, do you know this software? And I didn't, but I said I did. And I would get off the phone and I would go on lynda.com, which I think LinkedIn by now. And I would, I was like learning on the fly and then sure. they would call me back and I was, and I would be able to answer these questions. And I went out there. Sure. Everyone thought I was a genius. People have master's degrees. I didn't have a degree, but the thing is I learned what I needed to in a couple of weeks. And then it was like clockwork after that, but sure. it was just playing as it, as it went, you know? And, um, sure. There's something to be said for that, to be said for 
you know, everyone says fake it till you make it, but it's, it's a little bit deeper than that to me. It's this idea of like, uh, just knowing that you can, you can pick it up on the fly. Now, obviously you can't do that if you're working as a doctor or a lawyer, but I mean, generally you, the human beings have such an amazing capacity to, to learn new skills quickly when, when it's required. You know what I mean? If, especially like with full immersion. Yeah. And I think a lot of guys. Well, that could make me free. Yeah. That could change my life. If I could go put a couple hundred thousand dollars, I think it was like 150,000, like tax free money. Like that I could start investing. And like, sure. so I was, I was more than motivated to, That's great. to do that. And I was waiting tables and like hustling. So, I mean, I went from waiting tables and like, I mean, there were times when I remember I was short on rent and my dad asked me what I wanted for Christmas and it was a laptop. And I mean, it's cool to look back on now, but I went to his house when the the presents were under the tree and no one was home. And I strategically like took the tape off, pulled the um, computer out to see what the model was, was and put it on eBay. I mean, I mean, I felt so bad then, but because I needed to pay rent and I already had it listed on eBay and my dad was so happy when he saw me open the computer, but I knew that whole time that I had it on eBay and I was about to sell it and I paid the rent. Wow. But now I can talk to him about stuff like that and and it's all good, but you know, doing what you got to do. And I think that I tell everyone this, they probably get sick of it, but, um, a lot of things like I read in books now, I, I figured out on my own by taking the time away, like in Costa Rica. And they were more like affirmations later. They weren't, um, I, I, and it's cool because I didn't get it from a book, like whatever, intermittent fasting or various things like, you know, why am I going to pile of food on when I haven't processed what I already got in me? You know, I didn't read that on a book. I just kind of figured it out. Mm-hmm. But things like um, just every, well, okay. So I say that, and I, and I firmly believe this, that being true to yourself is one of the most difficult things to do because only you walk in your shoes and you're the only one that ever will, but you have loved ones and friends that want the best for you, sure. but still they're not walking in your shoes every day. So it can be difficult. And some decisions, like when I left college, sure. family, would, you know, give me shit and, and anything I've really done and walk in my own path. But I think if you stay true to yourself and you're a good person, that that's when the magic happens. And you can say it's, you know, woo-woo or whatever, but it, it can't be a coincidence yeah. because so many things have happened at the right time. And it was just staying true. And it's sure. and it's difficult because you have like people that love you saying, I don't know, but yeah. really sticking to it. You said, um, you said like the, the people that your friends and your family want what's best for you. And what I've realized is that's actually not always true. And a lot of the times they want what's best for them. They want what doesn't make them feel uncomfortable. You know, so when you say you're starting a new business and a lot of them will like, some some people close to you might freak out and say, uh, you know, that'll never work. Or who do, you, who do you think you are to be able to do that? Or just play it safe. Or it's because you're wanting to grow makes them uncomfortable, right? And I, I've experienced a lot of that in my life, dude. It's, it's very, very difficult. That's true. It actually is true on their end. They, they'll feel more at ease. So yeah, I, I do. I do see what you mean there. Mm-hmm. But you know, and that's what you said is, is like that, that ability, which is what I, I um, really work with to teach my clients is in the face of that, it's finding the courage in the face of that to stay true to who you are. Like you said, it's about knowing yourself and knowing who you are. And because most people, they have a very, very weak sense of self identity. And as soon as someone else kind of, ruffles it or pushes it or shakes it they revert so like let's say the guy wants to start he wants to go to costa rica right there's a guy listening to this in i don't know the middle of england where it's rainy and miserable most of the time and he wants to go and start being a professional videographer in costa rica and he's about ready to do it and then like his uncle says to him what are you thinking you should go get a a serious job and you know, do this. And then he, it kind of shakes his whole world because he's not confident in himself, not, not confident enough to just be like, no, fuck it. This is who I am. I don't want to go sit in a classroom. I want to go to Costa Rica. Do you know what I mean? And I think yeah. the way to get there, the way to become the kind of person that's confident enough in yourself to resist that is just getting to know yourself. Right. And, and, and most important, that's most important that, that, that in Costa Rica is when, and I never went like, I'm on a party. I know. It was like nature. Like that's just what I'm what I'm drawn to. Like I like the solitude. I was 
I remember that's when I was first reading like Henry David Thoreau and stuff when I was in that mountain. And actually it was a time when I had caught London real. And, um, I listened to every single, um, you know, Joe Rogan, every single one of Joe Rogan's podcasts, even when I was in Iraq in like 2009, I would log into my computer that was connected in the States because it was blocked. Um, I couldn't like straight up watch YouTube or, or, or you stream or whatever it was on. Sure. I would download the MP3 file file to that computer and then I would like take it from my computer in the States and listen to it. And that's how I, I caught you when you, when you guys were on. And, um, and that's, when I watched London Real and, and like, you know, we fast forward and I'm talking to you now. So it's just funny, you know, connecting the dots looking back. But um, I, I am looking at the time and I was just thinking of some things that to kind of tie it up now as where it is. Sure, and go so for it. after, you know, moving to Costa Rica, I and I ended up there because a guy in Iraq, when I was done with my the project, I like, I got to relax working 80 hours a week, 84 hours a week or something like that with no days off. I was like, I just want to not work. I don't want a phone. And he was like, he had property in, in Costa Rica and he was like, he needed some help with power of attorney. And he's like, I'll put you up there. And, um, and I was on my way, I had my ticket, but the accommodation fell through and I just went on Craigslist and saw a guy with a place for rent. And, um, and I, I just moved in with him. We're still friends with this day, but and I, and I kind of like, I lost, cause I got on, I didn't get on that. Like I was prescribed Adderall, like, um, two and a, I mean, I haven't touched that or seen that in like 12 years probably. But, um, when I was working for the government, you know, I went to the doctor and like, here, take this, you'll be able to stay awake. And so, um, <laughs> and I just neglected myself, you know, physically. So when I moved to Costa Rica, I met one of the most like knowledgeable dudes, most ripped guys and I just it was like all these things happened at, at the right time and he I got back in shape and um and I you know I lived there like I said five years and Airbnb was starting out and and I knew um you know you could put a room up there and um I kept meaning to put a room in a villa. I was renting a villa for like a two bedroom villa. And what I did was um put one room up. A few days later I got an inquiry, a couple from Israel because I'm in Tel Aviv now. They happen to be from here came um, on their Costa Rica trip and stayed with me for 10 days, still friends with them. And that was awesome. And that like paid my rent. So then the next week someone else came and stayed and the next week, so I started renting out the whole place and I'm living in Costa Rica for free. And, uh, and, and so the neighbors started to ask me, how are you renting your place? Cause they have property management companies handling their um, places and not doing a good job. Mm -hmm. So like one by one, I started taking up renting theirs out. And so you think if you're taking like a percentage of all these places, when you like 20% or 30%, it adds up to a hundred percent, you know, so it was almost like I had this kind of passive income coming. And so it started to, you know, grow. And when I left Costa Rica, um, I, I went to Barcelona at first to do some like masterminding and, and, and talk with other people, you know, digital nomads around the world. And, um, Mm -hmm. And I needed to continue that business because I'm getting inquiries. So I called up one of my good friends, like a brother to me um, in Costa Rica, Antonio, the best guys I know. And um, he had a, he'd always done tours and stuff in Costa Rica. So he started checking in the groups and, and, and managing it or helping me. And so we got um, another large house and then, which rented out for a lot per night. And then I shifted my focus just to large houses and like the owners were making money. And they were spreading the word because they they were just stoked on it. And so it just, the business just started growing. And then it was Antonio. Then he had to bring someone on. And then, you know, now it turned into a six-figure business and um, quick, but it was an accident, Amazing. you know. And that wouldn't have happened if I never went to Costa Rica. Sure. And, and that's, sure. that, that's now changed into my main, um, my main business. And one time when I, was, I decided I wanted to live two places a year because I don't like to, like, bounce so often. I was in um, mm -hmm. Playa del Carmen, Mexico, where I've spent October through May the last few years. And I met a girl mm -hmm. there, curly haired girl. And um, and that's part of the reason why I'm here in, in Tel Aviv now, because she's from uh, Tel Aviv. And I met her and, and she was, out, she told me what she did. She's like, oh, I have you know, six Airbnbs across Manhattan and New Jersey. I was like, well, I do too. And, uh, yeah. and she was traveling as well. She wanted, and I, we had just bought the same drone, the, the Mavic. 
And then it turns out she worked for United Airlines as a Hebrew speaker. And wow. next thing I know, we're together and now I fly for free. So like all, all these things happen when we travel the world together. And um, I mean, what are the odds of that? People were, and I was getting like in my late, you know, mid thirties and people were like, well, when are you going to get a girlfriend? I was like, listen, I'm not trying to force anything. I know that's going to happen as it should. As long as I'm doing, you know, my thing sure. and what statistically it's not likely that that's going to happen. So, um, yeah. And someone with the same business and it's a big time thing because if I'm dealing with stuff with Airbnb, she gets it because she's got the same business. <laughs> so, uh, sure. Sure. You guys have, uh, what I'm realizing in business, uh, business and life, I'm realizing that business is life and life is his business is basically the same thing. I read a um, very cool book uh, a few weeks ago and, and the guy was saying, there's no such thing as business, right? It's, it's, it's just life because all business really is, it's just about relationships and you're just doing the same things that you do in life, which is, you know, make decisions and solve problems and maintain relationships. And so that you shouldn't differentiate between this is, this is business and this is life. It's all the same thing. And um, where I was going with that is I'm realizing that in life, it's really important to align yourself with people who have similar sets of values and similar lifestyles, because if you don't, it's very, very difficult for you guys to pull together in the same direction. If you have different belief systems, different values and different lifestyles, almost always is a recipe for disaster. And I've, I've learned that the hard way over the years, right? So now when I'm looking to work with people, the first thing I ask is like, I, I literally look at their lifestyle. I'm like, is this guy in a similar kind of situation to me? And if not, then I have to really ask like, is this, is this going to work out? Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Yeah. I look at, if someone's like, you know, not like in the peak shape or anything, but if someone like really let themselves go, I have to question it in a sure. business sense. If they can't start with themselves, that's, sure. that's, that's you, that's your temple, you know, and then you have to wonder how that's a girl I dated once, she was an HR manager for a big company. And she said to me, she never hires overweight people. And I, and I said, why? I was like, man, that's, that's kind of harsh. Why is that? And she said, because, um, they, they're always lazy. And I don't necessarily think that's true, but it got me thinking, you know, like there might be something to that. There might be something to like, if someone doesn't take care of their physical appearance, maybe it's a, a symptom of a deeper, a deeper thing. Like, uh, so I really appreciate that. Um, that's one of the things you use when you, mm -hmm. that's a general rule of thumb for her probably, but I always want to know, I always want to understand how, why, like, I don't like to look at something at face value and assume like if someone's overweight, like I want to know, like, you know, if it were a friend or, or like, why, like there might be a reason for it. Maybe sure. it's not a friend, but like, and, and I've, and I've helped a lot of people with that too. I'm not a trainer or anything, but people always ask me over the years, like, like how to get in shape. And a lot of people sure. aren't willing to do it, but anyone that's willing that has that, like that fire, then by all means, you know, I'll give them the time and um, sure. that can really change someone's lives and trajectory in itself. Just, their appearance and, 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 and feeling good, but it's, it's important. It's all part of the balance, you know, sure. I physical every day. And, uh, if I didn't, I just get weird. If I don't exert that, you know, hundred percent, there's a, get, um, get something out. I'm writing a book, which will be out at the end of the year. And it's all about, Oh, uh, really? Yeah. It's going to be good. It's going to be all about how men, um, how to, how to exist as a man in the 21st century. And one of the chapters is called master your physicality. And I think that that is for, for a man absolutely vital is like to this fucking suit that you're wearing, this thing that you're using to navigate the world, you have to master it in some way, whether it's doing a martial art or learning yoga or working out or whatever it is, you've got to get control of this fucking thing and know how to use it and, and understand it and, and uh, get the most out of it. And it's clear that you're one of the people who's done that. I really do try. I really do try hard. I'm, that's interesting. You're writing a book because that's what I wanted to get at. Like people tell me I have this like interesting life and I don't, I don't think we, t we probably touch on a fraction of it. It's just kind of just different. And, uh, sure. And that's something I want to do. I want to, I want to have, I want to be able to create something that's going to continue after that I'm, I'm gone. And sure. I just get stuck on like, what is my starting point, I guess. Sure. We're going to have you on the show again, for sure. And we'll, we'll go deeper next time. But I really want to thank you for your time. And more importantly, I want to thank you for your energy, because what I'm realizing, the further I go, the further I go in my study of life is it's, 
it's not necessarily so much the content of what people say. And it's not even always about what they do. It's more important to me, the energy that they bring to, to interactions and the energy that they, they give off. And yeah, really like I can feel you're one of those people that you, you bring people's energy up. Right. And, and uh, that to me is, it's golden, man. It's golden. Thank you, man. Thanks brother. That's going to be the title of your episode. It's going to be the, the golden child. <laughs> <laughs> My man, if people want to find out more about you and they want to connect with you or any of your businesses and see what you're up to, where, where's the best place for them to go? I, I would say now just to keep it simple on Instagram, since you can message I only do audios. I hate texting. So like you'll hear my voice if you do. Okay. And if you want to go to Costa Rica, I can help you out. Um, but if, yeah, any questions, I mean, I'm, I'm wide open. So yes. And what's your Insta handle? My name is at Christopher Tripp, T-R-I-P. Okay, great. Chris, my brother, a thousand blessings on you and uh, well done on achieving liberation, my man. Right back at you, man. I appreciate it. Well, I don't really need to say much about that guy. I guess you guys picked up on on his vibration, just seeing what a, what a cool dude he was. And he's just unassuming and there's no, there's no hidden agendas and he just, he's open and he puts himself out there and you can see he really lives an authentic life. And, uh, you know, my, my acid test for, for relationships and people now is, is specifically how they make me feel. There's a, a quote I'm very fond of, which is people will forget what you said and they'll forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And uh, everybody always says, oh, actions speak louder than words. But I'm, I think it's, as I said in the episode, it's beyond that now. I think the next level beyond that is feelings speak louder than actions. You know, just pay very close attention when you interact with people to how they make you feel. Not so much the content of their words or their specific actions, just how do they make you feel afterwards. I know there was someone I worked with who I used to, when we'd speak on the phone, it would drain me on such a level that I would literally, even if we had a, a 15 minute conversation after I hung up the phone, I would literally have to go and, and sleep for 30 minutes just to get myself, just to get my energy back. And I've realized that I'm not going to live like that anymore. You know, I, I, the most important thing about I think, I think the most valuable thing that you can cultivate if you want to be successful and live the life of your dreams is internal states, you know, and these are happiness and excitement and joy and passion. And I've become ruthless with people who uh, cut into that. You know, if, if I have someone in my life who brings me down and who's constantly negative or makes me feel tired or exhausted when I'm around them, man, I just cut them out. Because as I said, those, those internal states are so valuable and you're not going to create the future and the reality that you want unless you learn to cultivate and guard those, those internal states. And I guess that's the thing about Chris is you can see he's, he's a positive guy. He's a, he's a radiator. He's radiating good vibes. And that's why he's living this amazing life. It's not because he deserves it. It's not because he's this good looking charismatic guy. It's because he's putting good energy out there. And, uh, I really, really appreciate people like that. And hopefully I'm becoming more and more of a person like that. And hopefully you guys are too. Hope you enjoyed episode three. We'll be back in a week or two with another show. Until then, peace out. Peace out.